got a jam-packed episode uh, today in studio. We have Brennan, we have Hank, we have Tony and Kathy back from holidays, and we have myself, Jody. Um, we're going to throw things over to Craigers first. Um, he's got a lot on the plate. So uh, here you go, Craiger. Thanks, Jody. Craig here. You can find me online, Twitter and Instagram and all those kind of things, at Craig Siliphant. Today I want to talk about things in pop culture that I'm thinking about this week. First thing I'm thinking about this week is the trailer, the teaser trailer, I should say, for the new James Bond movie. It's out April 2020, and it's called No Time to Die. Daniel Craig is back, I think, probably for the last time, and returning also our stars Ray Fiennes, Naomi Harris, uh, Lisa Du, Ben Wishaw, uh, Jeffrey Wright, uh, a bunch of newcomers, including Lashana Lynch, who is rumored to be taking on the 007 codename, likely temporarily and uh Rami Malek from Mr. Robot and that awful awful Queen movie is uh playing the big bad guy so this one's directed by Carrie Fukunaga uh from a script featuring contributions by Fleabag's Phoebe Waller-Bridge who is brilliant Bond has left active service he's enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica his peace is short-lived though when his old friend Felix Leiter from the CIA turns up asking for help the mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be more treacherous than expected as you would expect, leading Bond into the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. That probably describes almost every Bond movie ever. Uh, so anyway, I'm looking forward to that one. It looks kind of interesting. It'll be neat to see Daniel Craig for the last time and interesting to find out what they do to recast Bond uh, later on, whether they go down a road like Idris Elba or someone like Lashana Lynch or whether they just sort of go find another uh, white-bred uh, British guy. Also on my mind this week... Spider-Man. So Spider-Man 1, Homecoming. Spider-Man 2, Far From Home. Spider-Man 3, Homeless. Terrible news this week uh, in that Marvel Studios and Sony, uh, who had previously gotten together to add Spider-Man to the MCU, he's uh, actually owned by Sony, uh, not Marvel, at least in film form. Uh, but Marvel Studio President Kevin Feige won't produce any further Spider-Man films because of an inability by Disney and Sony Pictures to uh, play nice. So Disney made some crazy requests and Sony took their ball and went home. And in this case, their ball is Spider-Man. They couldn't reach terms that would have given the former a, a co-financing stake going forward. So a dispute's been taking place over the last few months. And uh, essentially, Sony and Disney are, are parting ways. Now... Uh, this comes at a moment when the last two Kevin Feige films uh, produced broke all-time records. Uh, the Avengers Endgame became the highest-grossing film of all time, at least when you adjust for inflation. And Spider-Man Far From Home uh, surpassed the James Bond film Skyfall to become the all-time highest-grossing films for Sony Pictures. There's a lot of uh, confusing webs you could pull at here, but it all comes down to money. Disney asked that future Spider-Man films be a 50-50 co-financing arrangement, but Sony turned that offer down flat, and sources are saying that uh, they came back with other configurations, but Disney didn't want to do that. So Sony doesn't want to share its biggest franchise. Uh, Disney wasn't at all interested in continuing the current terms where Marvel receives in the range of about you know 5% of first dollar gross. I don't know who to blame for this really, but I think it's understandable that Sony wouldn't want to give up you know half of their biggest franchise to Marvel. Uh, Marvel already owns the merchandising on Spider-Man, so does Disney really need half the movie universe too? Sony has so far decided that as valuable as Kevin Feige is, Disney is asking too high 
buy a price, and they, you know, I think they hope they'll be fine without Feig, which is kind of like going without Michael Jordan, I guess. But the creative templates been set in these films. Uh, you got Amy Pascal is a you know talented producer that will be working on them with Sony, and uh, you know we'll see what happens with all this. But you know, for me, it's like don't mess with my Spider-Man, you fools. You were finally on a good track after making several terrible movies, you know, before the MCU stuff. And Disney, you're getting greedy here. Enough about the sadness of Spider-Man, though. Let's talk about Mindhunter. Mindhunter is a sort of a thriller, I guess, TV show. It's on Netflix, and it's based on the book Mindhunter Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit, written by John Douglas and Mark Olshaker. Uh, the series is produced by David Fincher and Charlize Theron and a couple other people. It all started when Charlize Theron gave that Mindhunter book to David Fincher, who we know has done stuff like Seven and The Brilliant Zodiac. Uh, and, you know, he took that to Netflix and got a series made out of it. So the show is about the early days of criminal psychology and profiling at the FBI, showing how they learned how to profile people and, and the, the attitudes against that kind of thing that were going on at the time. Season one uh, has is available and season two just dropped on Netflix so you can check out both seasons uh, I tried to get the book on Kindle and found that they had jacked the price up to 20 bucks because the season dropped so I'm not impressed about that I mean $20 is fine to pay for a book but on a, a Kindle that's pretty expensive so that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night man that I can't get the book I want to read for less than highway robbery uh, on my Kindle but anyway that's the stuff I'm thinking about this week in pop culture back to you Jody. Thank you, Craig. All right. So uh, Tony and Kathy are back from their holidays, and they got some news to, to share about what else? Toys. Take it away. Toys. Um, <laughs> I just want to say that I heard some stuff the other day, Kathy, about uh, Hasbro is now phasing out plastic from new toy and game packaging. Yeah, yeah, you were saying that, yeah, so I yeah. I looked that up. Did to you? See. So you looked it up. So, <laughs> so this you. is not a surprise then. <laughs> All right, here's the here's what's happening. So they're going to be uh, in 2020. Hasbro will begin phasing out plastic from new toy and game packaging across the portfolio of iconic brands like Nerf, My Little Pony, Monopoly, Magic: The Gathering, and Power Rangers. Um, the big thing that's going to be happening is going to be uh, plastic elements like poly bags, elastic bands, shrink wrap, window sheets, and blister packs. So that is pretty exciting in the sense that, you know, the environment does need to be saved. Uh, but it does actually change some things for me as far as a collector go. And I think there's a lot of other people wondering what's going to happen with the Star Wars and the Marvel brands. Because their packaging is all plastic mostly. And, you know, a lot of it is actually already, you know, recyclable. I, I Kind of recyclable? Yeah, kind yeah. of recyclable. They changed in 2013 from PVC to PET type plastic so that it could be recycled. But that article says that they're going to phase out almost all plastic. Almost all yeah, plastic, so yes. So they could just be doing little things that, uh, you know, that they should have done years ago that they can do. So, But at the same time, it does have a lot of questions as far as, like, for me goes, because, like, what's going to happen? Um, it could really change things dramatically as far as packaging goes for the better as well. So that's kind of exciting. But... I, is that really going to be enough? What do you think? Uh, phasing out the plastic in the packaging? Yeah. So they actually have another initiative called TerraCycle. If you go to TerraCycle.ca, there is um, boxes that you can purchase to put your used, unboxed action figures into to get pelletized and made into lawn furniture and stuff like that. 
but they charge you like you have to buy the box for 100 bucks or whatever and then you put all your old action figures into it and you ship it away and they make them into pellets no one's going to do that <laughs> can you can you imagine that uh, i'd like to uh, yeah recycle my my yeah can you it's yeah it's that's ridiculous but any but in the sense that the fact that a, a company is actually making things out of plastic uh, is going to be reducing plastic is kind of an oxymoron, if you ask me, because they're already making plastic. So there's probably other ways they can do. Um, someone mentioned the other day at, at work that they can start doing paper dolls. What if we can bring <laughs> yeah. back the paper doll thing? I like love yes. paper dolls. Paper dolls would be a lot more fun. Clothes. Star Wars paper dolls. I would. I would yeah. definitely collect those. Uh, the yeah. panel has a question. Oh sure. I have a very important question. What's that? You guys being collectors, Tony, we know you're crazy. If they're not putting all the plastic on all of the stuff anymore, does that mean that you have to go and purchase plastic containers to put these no, new toys in? So now it's increasing plastic again. Uh, no, that it, all, all that would really be is they would probably start using, um, uh, you'd start using like cardboard packaging instead. So all your stuff would just be loose in boxes and then you wouldn't know what you're getting. And probably what would happen is the collecting market would just drop down to nothing, <laughs> and Hasbro eventually would just uh, dry up and uh, only sell My Little Pony stuff. Okay, but isn't the time <laughs> the times that we live in are internet-driven? Collectors like yourself listen to podcasts. They 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 look online. They see pictures of everything. So you would know what was in the box. Uh, with Star Wars stuff, I agree um, with that. But with Star Wars stuff, a lot of it is actually they're really into like the vintage-looking stuff. So uh, a huge part about Star Wars is having those old plastic uh, bubbles with the cardboard backs, and people really are, are buying a lot of that. I, I'm fine either way. I think that a new packaging would be good, and I do believe that you know some, everything should be uh, done to save the environment in the state that it's in. Um, but it does kind of leave a bit of a, a, a change for the future that I think will be uh, will be interesting either way. Yeah, like. Uh, that article that you said that they were going to try and do away with most of the plastic by 2020 but they also had another initiative that they were going to use bioplastic like um, instead of just PET they were going to use bio PET so like the same kind of plastic that they started to make Lego pieces out of the green Lego pieces um, but that was supposed to start in 2018 didn't start till late 2019 so you probably have a, a while before they could do away with it so we're not really seeing anything yet of that either so no, the, the Lego did, like you said, Lego did have a thing now where they're doing some, they're moving to doing some, um, you know, uh, plastic that's biodegradable, which is great. But it's very slow moving. It's not coming out very fast. And the initiatives are, are, are well thought out to be more of something in the future. So. Mm. so what they should really just do is put your action figures in a brown hemp bag <laughs> and just write Star Wars with... I was going to say marker, but I guess not, that's probably toxic. Uh, pencil crayon. Embroidery. <laughs> right. Embroidery, and, yeah. And, but even better, don't tell you what character it is. Just make it mystery bags. Blind, blind bag. That you won't know when you get home. I think that would be really creative. And then put a tree seed in each figure. <laughs> so when you don't want to use them anymore, you can bury them in your backyard and a flower will come up. Yeah, let's. Uh, you should get on that. I, I will. <laughs> sure, I'm sure the collectors will be all over that. Yeah, that could but... be a new collection. How, how many... Of your figures, can you bury underground? Do you see my collection? Yeah, all back there. Can't see it. It's we, there. We need a bigger backyard. <laughs> we need a bigger backyard. <laughs> Maybe it would grow a topiary of that figure. Even better. Even I like better. that. A big Darth Vader shrubbery in your backyard. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, this good, this is eco-friendly and collectible. But you should just do that anyway. 
<laughs> you know, you never see that enough topiary. Yeah. Do you do you uh, do you have toys of your own at home? I, I do. Well, then you should bury them when you get home. <laughs> Try that out. And Let we'll us know see what works. happens. I'll yeah. be the first one. Here we go. I'm seeing it right now. We'll we'll see how it goes. Trailblazer. Okay, so one more thing I want to talk about, if we have a little bit of time, is the uh, with the whole Netflix happening. So the uh, there's talks about the Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, a Netflix TV show will be like 10 episodes and it'll be Ewan McGregor coming back and he's going to be doing some, uh, yeah, some shows. Originally, he was supposed to have his own uh, movie, but after Solo Tank, they kind of uh, laid off on everything that's going to be a movie and they're going to be bringing everything now into like a Netflix type thing. So you can see way more Star Wars, The Mandalorian. There's going to be uh, uh, a couple other ones that they're talking about. Um, so what do you guys think of that? What do you guys think of uh, the, the idea of having more Star Wars TV and less uh, movies? I think it's good. I think smaller doses is good. I also love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I would really enjoy that. I am on board. I think that would be awesome, yes. The Disney Plus uh, that's coming out that the show is going to be on, I'm just worried because they need to keep it PG and under on the mm. Disney Plus. So oh, now I'm right. like, yeah, of course, the, most of the stuff for Disney is PG anyway, but now anything that's not under PG goes to Hulu, and then we end up getting it on Crave. I don't know. I'm very confused. <laughs> I, I agree. I do think that it's going to be kind of one of those things where we'll see what they do. They're going to be putting a lot, a lot into this new, uh, this new channel. And you know what? The fact that The Mandalorian and they're going to have that starting off, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But that excites me. The whole idea of having the Mandalorian uh, show which is, um, you know, based on uh, Boba Fett's background, I guess, uh, in the future. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting for me. So, And I would just like to remind our listeners at home that Solo would not have been such a big flop if they wouldn't have made it twice, right? <laughs> Originally, they made oh, the first yeah. version of it, and then the producer <laughs> thought they didn't like the direction it was going, so they had Ron Howard come in to punch it up, and he essentially refilmed most of the movie, so the budget was doubled that it was supposed to be originally. So if they would have stuck with the original budget, it actually would have done fairly well. Okay. Um, yep. Just saying. Just okay. putting that out there. <laughs> All right. Well, since you uh, you have the mic in hand, let's transition over to some exciting news. You got a really cool looking book in hand. Please tell us about it. Uh, and so, like I, I like to do, I like to talk about music, and if I can find a music combination that I find interesting, I like to bring it to people. So uh, last week, I was just walking around, and I came across this interesting graphic novel called Apocryphy, The Legend of Baby Metal. Now, for those of you who don't know, Baby Metal is a group from Japan who has created their own genre of music called Kawaii Metal. Now, does anyone have an idea what Kawaii Metal would be? What's well, like cute? Right, so Kawaii is cute. We have this cute, uh, think of Hello Kitty meets big heavy metal group. Um, so they're like a J-pop group. So there's uh, our three main singers. So we have uh, Sue Metal, who is vocal and dance. We have Hui Metal, who scream and dance, and Moi Metal, who scream and dance, that look very much like the Kawaii J-pop kind of girl group dressed in black, slightly that gothic meets Lolita look, with an amazing heavy metal band who plays behind them. Um, so it's this amazing blend of, of J-pop and, and heavy metal. So Love it. So maybe for our listeners at home who are unfamiliar with the phenomena that it has become baby metal. Because this is a band that has done a little tours, has their album was number two in Billboard in Japan. They have opened up for Metallica, Slayer, Lady Gaga. Um, they played with Judas Priest. They have they have 
They're a bonafide metal band, um, and this is a bit of what they sound like. They're awesome. Oh, is it on right now? Oh, perfect. Good. So, huh? Right? And the reaction, if you haven't heard them before, I've watched videos of vocal coaches listening to it, and the first time you hear it, you just can't help it get happy. Right? It's like good, heavy, happy music. Not metal enough. Oh, this, you haven't heard the whole record. That's just one song. Um, so they have this graphic novel, which is The Legend of Baby Metal. It is t- as in the credits on the inside, as told by the prophet of the fox god, drawn by GMB Chamachuk, uh, scripted by Sridhar Reg, and lettered by Justin Birch, published through Z2 Comics, uh, through Amuse Group, that's their, their label and production company. And the essence of the book is that uh, Baby Metal, have, it's a time-traveling adventure where they need to retrieve the three pieces of the Agamet, which has uh, been shattered throughout time, which is the soul of the fox god, um, and keep it away from the vulture god to save humankind, because the vulture god is this uh, evil god of destruction that has come about because the earth is making bad choices, and so they need to stop the vulture god, and that is the premise of the story. Cool. So as their production company has said, this is their unofficial biography this is where they came from so they're creating this whole myth though with some backstory about where they came from um style wise if you know a gmb chamachuk at all he has a very distinct artistic style it's a combination of traditional pencil work uh, photography and collage so it has this very print sort of look to it very uh stark images in the front with some really cool background stuff uh much like a, a rhizo Rizograph? Rizograph. Rizograph, thank you. It almost kind of looks like that. It's a very interesting art style. Um, it's very distinct. It's very unique. At times, I wasn't sure what was happening in, in some of the action sequences. Um, and just because it's like it goes from different perspectives and, and the imagery is maybe not what you expect. Um, but it's very distinct. And if, and if you like sort of more art house kind of comics, this would be one that I think that you would, that you would really appreciate. Um, as far as, as fans of baby metal, go and get it. You'd probably love it. Great addition. Um, there is the traditional one that I found um, at the store. And then there is a deluxe edition. The deluxe Ooh. edition sells for $200 American. So I'm sure once you convert that, I'm going to top up the price of that one in a minute. Um, it comes in a big gold foil box with golden uh, embossing on it. Um, everyone is signed and has a sketch by GMB Chumachuk inside of it as well as three additional prints. So if you were a collector, it'd be something that you would, you'd be very interested in, in getting. So Yeah. Um, now, GMB Chomachek has been at the Expo, the Sask Expo, a, a number of times over the last few years. Um, I haven't seen that he's confirmed as a guest for this one that's coming up in three weeks. Um, but I hope that maybe he is, because maybe he'll have some of this stuff to sell. And uh, it's really, really groovy. So Yeah, and it's, again, it's a very distinct-looking book. Now, if you're a cat, now, when I first saw this, and this is something that doesn't usually bother me, but for some reason, this one it did. I, I, I flipped it over. It's $25 American. And then it says price may be higher in Canada. Fair enough. Exchange rate. I get that. And then I go and pay for it. And it was like $35 suddenly, which, you know, I could have picked up my last couple of graphic novels of Transmetropolitan to finish off that collection. <laughs> you know, um, I like it's not that I don't like it. It was just kind of like for, tw- for someone who didn't know the band or anything. $25? Okay. When it, what's it? 35 I was like, yeah. But I liked it and I liked the band, so it turned out to be a, a good investment. So, 
Okay. I was looking at it and I find it to be like the art is amazing, but it's really art driven. They're like, the, yeah, they're, yeah, it's very. So if you like that kind of thing, it looks really nice. So. And it reads like a it reads like a video game. Just like Ooh. here's your mission, go, and that's pretty much it. Not a lot of uh, time for character development yeah, at all. That's no, very it's very quick. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, well, thank you for the expose. And uh, Hank has some really cool news about um, some of the guests that are coming to Sask Expo. He had a chance to interview Dina, and uh, here's what he found out about that. Thanks, Jody. Yes, hello, everyone. It is me, Hank. And I am here at Amazing Stories in Saskatoon with comic book fan, comic book fanatic, Dina Burnett who is the creator guest team lead at Sask Expo Saskatoon, coming September 14th and 15th to Prairieland Park. Now, Dina, most people know Sask Expo is the place to meet celebrities. Like this year, you can meet Michael Rooker, Billy D. Williams, Marina Sirtis, who is Tony's favorite counselor, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation, <gasps> Amy Acker's coming, there's a whole bunch more, but I'm sure you would agree Dina, that the most important part of Expo is meeting the comic book authors and artists. This year's lineup of comic book creators is awesome. Who are you most excited to meet? Oh man, who am I most excited about? This this lineup is huge. Um, the big one, Rags Morales. He, if you've read DC books in the last 20 years, you've seen Rags Morales' work. He did Identity Crisis with uh, New York Times bestseller Brad Meltzer. So huge story. Um, and when he's not at cons or illustrating for comic books, he's a teacher at the Joe Kubert School. So not only have we seen his work, we've seen work that he has taught. Um, this guy's a legend. He's done Nightwing. He's done Batman. He's done... Um, he's also done some work for Marvel, so Rags Morales, super excited to see him. Um, another big name is uh, Mark Texera. If you've read Marvel comics in the last 20 years, you've seen Tex's work. Um, his run on Moon Knight is phenomenal. It's this really beautiful painted style that you wouldn't see traditionally in comic books. Um, he's done Wolverine, he's done Sabretooth. Um, he's just, he's, if you've read Marvel stuff, you've seen Texas work. Um, on the Canadian side, we have Canadian Comic Book Hall of Famers, Tom Grummet from Saskatoon, coming to rep the hometown. We also have Ty Templeton, and his run on Batman Adventures is amazing. But he hasn't just done the superhero stuff. Ty's also done um, The Simpsons, uh, so and it's like very cartoony style. He's another teacher. He also runs Ty Templeton's boot camp to teach Canadian uh, comic illustrators. So four big, huge names. Yes, I hear that Michael Walsh is coming too. Uh, Eisner winner Michael Walsh. Right now he's working on um, Black Hammer versus the Justice League uh, with Jeff Lemire and it is an amazing story. I love Jeff Lemire. He also did probably one of my favorite Red Hood runs in uh, The Lost Days, so really excited to see him here as well. Are there more uh, local guests coming too? We have some local people. Uh, Colin Work, Justin Shope, James Intel, and uh, Jeff Burton. Um, these four guys have brought in the Saskatchewan Manitoba comic scene for years. So not only do we have huge name Hall of Famers, we got some locals. Um, also, Jeremy Hahn, Beauty, the series. If you haven't 
Red, Beauty, please do. It's a Beauty is one of my favorite reads since issue one. Jeremy Hahn is amazing. I've been saving all my nickels, all my hard-earned cashola. How much am I gonna give him? All the money. All of the money. Um, also, I'm gonna do a quick here. Joe Harris, I had to do a shout out to Joe Harris. If you're an X-Files fan or a sci-fi fan, not only has he written X-Files comics in some episodes for the X-Files show, he's a movie maker and he has a brand new John Carpenter series coming out this fall. So if you're a, a sci-fi or a horror fan, Joe's your guy. Uh, lots of great guests. Yes, and we're running out of time, so thank you, Dina, for helping us out. Uh, everyone, if you want to check out all of the comic book artists and authors that are coming and all of the celebrity media guests, visit saskexpo.com. And now, Jody, back to you. Thanks, Hank. All right, so yeah, some amazing guests that are coming. Comics are my favorite part of the expo. I mean, the other media stuff is all good and everything, but I love meeting the artists. I love meeting the writers and talking about um, their work. So it's a great opportunity to, to check that out. So that's only like three weeks away. Holy smokes. Um, so today's pick for comics that I wanted to talk about was, um, it's a brand new title. It's called Strayed, and it is written by Carlos Gifoni, and it is illustrated by... Wando, which is like an amazing handle. I completely love that. Um, basically, the premise of it is there's this scientist and she has developed a way to um, develop brain waves so that they can be converted into sound, which is not like such a crazy notion. This, you know, can could be done. Um, but she's done it so that she can talk and communicate with her cat. Turns out that her cat, Lou, can astral project around the uh, universe and so what ends up happening is that they're part of the study where um, she talks to the cat the cat astral projects he tells her where things are in the universe and then they are revealed to others so unfortunately the military wants to use this to find planets where there are resources so that those resources can then be exploited um, and maybe not to the betterment of like all the creatures who are currently living on that planet so the scientists the cat they're a little conflicted you know they want to do what's right they're hoping that they can trust the people that they're working with but can they actually that's that remains to be seen so it's really really cool notion and uh, I it's just the first issue so far but I think it has a lot of promise um, I, I think that's pretty awesome in the sense that it's about cats because I love cats and you don't see a lot of comic books about cats. You don't see as many comics as there should be. Um, in the back of the comic, um, there's a, a little, you know, write up by the author Carlos and, uh, he talks about how, um, he had a thesis about 15 years ago that he was working on, uh, featuring a system that uh, would read brain waves fluctuation and then translate them into audio visual soundscape. So like, it's, it's not a crazy, crazy notion and uh, it's, it's awesome. So we're, yeah, what you wanna weigh in um, on this? I forgot to ask, uh, you recommended that at the store. I bought it, I loved it because you've never steered me wrong. <laughs> um, I forgot to ask though, the artist, um, has he done anything else? I don't know. I, it's it's not a name, name that I recognized, and I didn't uh, do any research on him. I did do some research, though, on um, Carlos Gifoni. Gif um, he actually has a link in the back of the comic to his band camp page, and uh, he has...
has music that uh, goes along with the comic. So I'm just going to play a little in the background. 